Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the first part of the Keen Odyssey, our seven-part deep dive into Roy Keane's book, The Second Half, which he wrote with Roddy Doyle in 2014. Before you listen to episode one, there's a little bit of business with Roy that we spoke about in an earlier podcast regarding his nemesis, uh, Professor Yaffle from Bagpuss. So we're going to include that now so that you know the full story before you get into the seven-part deep dive. Enjoy. This is it. It was quite a mundane season, I think, until early November when uh, Roy Keane left Manchester United a couple of weeks after what can only be described as an explosive interview on MUTV. Yeah. Uh, in the wake of a 4-1 defeat in Middlesbrough. And he and got stuck into some of the younger lads. He got stuck into... What the some- fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Who the fuck do they think they're, they're fucking kiddies? They're fucking kiddies. They're driving around their fucking Lamborghinis. They think they've fucking made it. They think they're fucking big shot. They think they can step up to me, Roy Keane, and have a shot at the title. Tip but they fucking belts. can't. I fucking tell them. Fucking step up then. I'm these, fucking ready. You see these belts? I, I earned these belts. I won these belts. You want these belts? Come on then. Roy Keane's fucking waiting and ready. Here you go. Let me introduce you to my two friends here. Laurel and fucking Hardy. I actually said about Rio Ferdinand just because you're paid £120,000 a week and you play well for 20 minutes against Tottenham you think you're a superstar <laughs> you're not you're a cunt take your fucking drug test will you Alan Smith John O'Shea Darren Fletcher Kieran Richardson there are fucking cunts little laddies little laddies don't even belong at fucking Leeds they're fucking babies you send them off to that fucking prick David O'Leary <laughs> In get his fucking s- magic kingdom. Get and a lot of into them. And as for you, Fergie, you fucking idiot with your fucking racehorses. As he started getting stuck into that as well, didn't he? Did he? Oh, fucking yeah, he turned hell. on Fergie. His big problem was with Carlos Quiros. They'd had a ah, falling yeah, yeah. out over a villa in Portugal. <laughs> Keenard? Yeah. Really? They went on a pre-season like, sort oh, of training they, camp yeah. in Portugal and... Queeros had sorted it out. Yeah, I always find these things hilarious because I sort of think a club like Manchester United is like an international conglomerate, it's an industry, isn't it's it? It's huge, right? Yeah. And yet, then you read these books, and the way in which they do things is so small time. So they've gone. We need a pre-season training camp somewhere. Yeah. And Carlos Queiroz is literally gone to fucking Ferguson because Ferguson loved Queiroz. I mean, yeah. he fucking loved him. If you read any of Ferguson's books. He was his one. Because he mm. took him back. He fucked off to Montreal Madrid, failed, and Fergie took him straight back again. Yeah. Like, he just walked back into Old Trafford, yeah. which Keane was unhappy about as well, by the way. Loyalty! That's it. <laughs> loyalty! You've got some fucking front talking to me about loyalty. You're after out the fucking dart to the Burnabout Stadium. At the first fucking chance you got, you cunt. You come strolling back in here? <laughs> like you own the place? With your eyes. Your greedy Portuguese eyes on my fucking belts. 
right? And he's gone. And so Quiros has gone, eh, to Alex. I have a nice place in Portugal. I know a man who has a I know a man is nice, nice food. Now, a little bit of uh, let me, let me, let me, just simple grilled fish, a little bit of salad. Let me tell you this. This is top secret. He has had the toilets reconstructed so as you can flush the toilet paper down the hole. Not in all the villas. You do not need to put it in the bin. But the villas, the, not all villas, but the luxury VIP I get for you and me, Sir Alex, we flush the toilet. Special dispensation. No shitty paper for you. None of that. What you say? Uh, I get it, put Carlos. It sounds it sounds top notch. <laughs> if you're happy, I'm happy, Carlos. If it's good enough for you, Carlos, that's good enough for you're me. You're a great man, Carlos. You know that because you not only know your fit but you're a handsome man and you smell gorgeous. Don't listen to what Roy and the lads say behind your back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're my go-to man for international accommodation. So he's put all these villas, and yeah. Roy Keane's turned up, and he's—they've said you can bring your family. So Roy Keane's turned up with Mrs. Keane and the Wee Keanes. Yeah, and he says, "I take one look at this fucking villa, <laughs> and the fucking size of it was a joke." I'm Roy fucking Keane. I'm the heavyweight champion of the world, and you think I'm going to fucking stay in this shithole? Ah, fine. I didn't want to cause a fuss, so I moved out and just booked somewhere else up the road. To tell you what, it reminded me of. It reminded me of the fucking workshop in Bagpuss. <laughs> you couldn't even fit a little rag doll in there. You couldn't fit a rag doll. I a, a little a wooden woodpecker. I bought it. I some fucking saw. I kept expecting to see Professor fucking Yaffel stick his stupid fucking head out. Stop fucking lecturing me. Coming down off the shelf like he used to. <laughs> Full of fucking shit. I couldn't sleep. Giving it the fucking big one. I kept thinking I could hear his fucking voice echoing around my fucking brain. I'm waking up cheating the morning going, it's fucking Yaffo. Where is he? <laughs> Show yourself, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fucking get out of there. It wasn't good for my fucking brain. Anyway, that was the fucking source of all the trouble. Yeah. So he's turned on Queeros. Then he's turned Fergie's fucking stood up for Queeros. He's turned on Fergie's own. You can shut up with your fucking horses. Your fucking horses, fucking rocket, Gibraltar. Throw us all under the fucking boat. And I would have as well, that thing about the speeding ticket. <laughs> Try to get over the speeding ticket by pretending you shit yourself. <laughs> the fucking stress. Take the fucking points. Get yourself along to the speed awareness course. Like the rest of us. It's a leveller. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? You sat there. Talking about shit in your pants. You're a knight of the realm. This is the club of fucking Bobby Chadden and Dennis Law. Of Gary fucking Bertels. Do you think Bertels would have shot his pants in the car? Or even fucking claimed it? No, they would taken his fucking points. Clayton Blackmore, he'd have took his points. <laughs> I could sit here and name names all day. Did all take the points. Dennis Arwen did shit his pants. And they, no one even knew about it. He fucking turned himself in at the police station and told them anyway. The Greenhoff brothers... Both of them wouldn't have shit their pants. <laughs> Get a grip. So that was him out, and he went to Celtic. He did, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. My name is Andy Dawson, and his name is... Sam Delaney. And this is the first part of our spin-off podcast series where we look at an autobiography from a, a notorious footballer. And in this case, it is none other than Roy Keane. It's his book that he brought out called The Second Half. It's his second autobiography. 
it's miles better than the first one, I think. And it was written in association with Roddy Doyle, the Irish mm. writer and filmmaker and all that kind of thing and playwright. This is part one. We might get as far as three parts with this, having looked at it. We're not sure. It might just be two parts, but this is part one. And we're going to begin it's, at the beginning. It's an amazing book. Um, so we're literally, there is, it's one of those. We could go on for hours. Like, it's like a great album where it's all killer, no filler. You know, like, <clears throat> like Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. There is not a bad song. Each song is as good as the last. It's the, every every track is ten out of ten. That's like Roy Keane's second memoir. Every page yeah. has a nugget of gold on it. Yeah, because Roy Keane is a, a as we have said repeatedly on these podcasts, he is a complex and fascinating and eccentric man. I would like to issue a little disclaimer at the beginning of this. I would like to say I am a huge fan of Roy Keane as a footballer. And as a football manager for what he did at Sunderland, and as a person, and this podcast comes from a place of love, stop shitting and yourself, and respect, and and fear. <laughs> Listen, right? I know you think Roy Keane's going to come and get us. I've said that now. I've said he's it. He's not. And these are uh, 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 you, this Roy. is amazing promotion for a book that came out quite a few years ago. Two thousand four. You had a book yeah. that's out years ago. It very rarely gets you get publicity and you get people. As you know, you've done books, I've done books. At the time, if you're lucky, people will get in touch on Twitter around publication, go, I really, really liked your book. Mm. And that dries up for mm. most books. But so, And that might have even happened with this book. But we're saying this is a forgotten classic. In it six months' time... Down, it should, Penguin should reissue it as a Penguin classic. In six months' time, Roy Kane's going to get a royalty statement through the post for the, for the book, and there'll be a spike in sales yeah. and income as a result of these podcasts. Go, what the fuck's going gonna, on here? What's this all about? And What's going on? Start- I smell a fucking rat. Look into it for me. He'll say that to his lawyer. Yeah. And then his lawyer goes, see, it seems there's a uh, a couple of podcasts. A pod what? What's what that all fu- about? What the fucking hell is a podcast? <laughs> what? The- two fucking fellas, grown men, sat in a fucking studio. Who lets them do this? <laughs> Who lets <laughs> them in? Haven't they got anything fucking better to do with their time? What radio station is this on? What? And people fucking listen to this shit. What wavelength? <laughs> Tell me the wavelength so I can find it. <laughs> They're a couple of fucking babies by the sounds of them. They got kids. They got responsibilities. What the fuck are they doing? What are they doing? Are they not got proper jobs? What's this all about? <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> I don't care if you sell my book. The book's fucking stupid anyway. I never wanted to write the fucking book. It's a waste of fucking time. Well, I've got 70 quid here from royalties I don't know what to spend it on. Yeah. I don't fucking need it. I don't fucking need that fucking poxy 70 quid. I've got my hole. I've got my hole and I've got a nice cup of tea and that's all I fucking need. Anyway. It's, it starts off. <laughs> it starts off where he's, he's kicking off about the, the fallout from the first book in which, of course, he, he talked about injuring Alfinger Harland and then he got, um, there was disciplinary proceedings and mm. a hearing and he got fucking banned and Yeah, it's all about all that. that. that uh, and the beginning of his career when he first came to Forest, so had a lot of cluffy stuff in it. And it also has the story of Sapen, which is not covered in this book. No. And we may go back and do that because obviously those stories, I mean, Sapen alone is one of my favourite moments in human history. And so that's worth covering. But no, this has got a lot of other stuff. It's got the end of his playing days, his fallout with United, mm. and then goes through his management and punditry But it, be- it begins with him facing the disciplinary hearing on the back of oh, the yeah. previous book. Yeah. So it kind of segues in. And um, he says, um, 
I didn't anticipate the volume of the coverage. It was unbelievable. What we're going to do is, if we're doing actual direct quotes from the book, we're going to do them in our own voices so that we don't confuse everybody. So, yeah, if we're saying it out loud in normal voices, that means these are Roy Keane's real words. <laughs> if we lapse into bad <laughs> Irish accents, that's just us imagining what else he might have said or thought. He, he said, I didn't anticipate the volume of the coverage. It was unbelievable. It was like I'd killed somebody. <laughs> it was a nightmare at the time. And he's talking about this the, the Harland sc- scandal, and he keeps referring to um, killing and murder. And he's go- he goes to the Reebok Stadium in Bolton for the hearing with the FA. Uh, he says, uh, trying to get into the Reebok that day, you'd have thought I was up for murder. So again, he's referring to himself as a killer or a murderer. But she hasn't, he hasn't done any murders. I don't think he wants to murder Alfinger Harland. I don't think this is a veiled threat, do you think, to Alfinger Harland? Or... <laughs> What, like he is planning on murdering him? One day, Somewhere possibly. Somewhere along the line. Possibly. Um, and then he says that uh, he talks about his lawyer. Actually, I wish I hadn't had a lawyer. I wish I'd just gone in and taken the punishment. No, I like this because I really like people who defend themselves in courts yeah. of law. <laughs> My dad did that a couple of years ago against the builder. Just, I've got a lot of time for anyone that does that. My dad did that against the builder, but. He just fucking rocked up without any planning because in his no head he just or anything. the thing is, I'm really clever yeah. and articulate and I will run rings around these people. <laughs> these so-called lawyers. Yeah, and the builders fucking turned up with like a brief and, and they're like, what the fuck? They're just looking at my dad, just going, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> like he's fucking done the old put his thumbs in his lapels yeah. to sort of look like Rumpole or the gown? Bailey at the end. He, and do you know what he said? Did he me? get a gown from that costume yeah. shop you're always at? Where, yeah. Where my, you got your Dick Turpin my, costume. My, my miss, I lent him my Dick Turpin costume because I said it's close enough to a barrister's get up. Just stick <laughs> yeah, this the on. Gown. Yeah, he even had the bandana around his nose and mouth, which didn't go well, down well with the judge, I can tell you. Made him look well fucking shifty, right? And uh, But at the end, I said to him, how did it go? Because I'd been worried, but he wouldn't have it when I was saying, are you sure about this? What, what, bit- what sort of dispute was it? Was it overpayment or work payment. that had been done or...? Pay, basically, they ha- he hadn't paid the last chunk of money that he owned the build. He owed the builder, and I think his reasonings were one: the work was shit, which was true, right? And he needed to spend the money on making it good again. Yeah, and but there was also he claimed that the builders had nicked his ladder. <laughs> 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 and my attitude was well even if they fucking have what do you need a ladder for anyway you never fucking use the ladder right so you get the builders in yeah exactly so he but when i asked him after the court appearance how did it go did you win or he goes well it's very interesting he started talking around it and i went yeah but did you win or lose he goes sort of both in a way <laughs> He lost his name. He just totally lost. <laughs> but he said something about how the judge knew he was the moral victor. Yeah, did or the judge like, like wink that. at him or something? The judge was sort of like, unfortunately, my my uh, hands are tied here by the fucking the law. law. <laughs> Stupid fucking law. But we all know that you are the real victim here and that you're a better human than everyone else in this room. I think that was what my, how my dad did, interpreted it. Did, did the it. judge give him some money for a new ladder? <laughs> no. no. didn't award him anything? My dad remains... My dad, a pensioner, mm-hmm. remains ladderless. And I'm... You know, this I, now is not time or place to do an appeal for some sort of crowdfunding. Crowdfund, yeah. But that will... I will set something, a campaign like that up soon. Is it, what, a t- telescopic ladder that reaches no, to, like, 20 foot? Just, or just some step like ladders? A, a four-tread step ladder. <laughs> four-tread mind. 
Yeah, no, that's a serious one. You can get one of them for like 20 quid then, being cute. He's a pensioner, mate. He's, uh, he's well, on you've the... got plenty of money. I have, You're um, on the podcasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you want a bit of my podcast money, do your dad, to pay for your fucking stepladder? <laughs> Should have thought about that when you walked out on us. Uh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> I love anyone that defends themselves in court. You know what court should do? Court should advertise when someone's going to be defending themselves so we yeah, can all yeah, go we along can all and go have go a down look. down there. <laughs> <laughs> Take our packed lunches and our flasks. Yeah. Rubbing our hands together up <laughs> in the cheek Sit seats. Sit arms yeah. Come on, go then, on. let's have it. Go on, my son. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast is going exactly as I expected mm. it would. Battle Roy came. This, this is it. it. Yeah, he, re- he repeatedly wonders why he had a lawyer for the Alfinger Harlan thing. Uh, I was I was travelling from Manchester, and he did the voice there. I was travelling from Manchester in a car with a lawyer and a QC. That didn't feel right. It was quiet in the car. I didn't really know them. There was no positive energy. No, we'll fight this because he wanted to go into this like it was a football match. He wanted to go yeah. into like all guns blazing. Yeah. It was all about damage limitation. It was a day at the office for them, but it was a lot more than that for me. I knew I was going to lose. And he thinks he should have just gone in and just took the punishment. And um, Oh, yeah, then here we go a bit, a bit further on. The FA had a murder lawyer. Again, more references to murder and killing. <laughs> he's trying to imply, in his head, he's like one of those guys who, in, their, in their, there's a, you meet a lot of guys who pretend in their minds that they're, sort of either in the intelligence services or the special forces yeah. they're military men yeah. and they kind of keep making references and using the terminology of the armed forces and Roy Keane's like that but about murderers I think he like loves the idea of murderers yeah. and sort of sees himself as in the in a way kind of like he's one. like one but in a footballing sense where you're not allowed to murder it's like he said uh, he's the closest you, know, you get they, they, they couldn't find a lawyer who was good enough to take me on, mm. who was from a Spartan background, so they yeah. had to get a murder Sporting lawyer. Sporting lawyer. <laughs> they could, usually they'd have a lawyer who's like a sports lawyer, but because it was me, they had to get a murder lawyer, <laughs> who were the toughest type. But they said, it's, it's Roy Keane, we had to get a murder lawyer. <laughs> he says the FA had a murder lawyer, a big shot up from London, Jim Sturman. He was absolutely brilliant. He had me on toast. Jesus, for a tackle. He was a big Spurs fan, he told me, in the toilets before the hearing. I was at the urinal beside him. We were talking as two men in a toilet do. <laughs> do <laughs> no, they? I don't fucking know. Two men. Big football fan, are you? See, you got a nice cock on you there. <laughs> yeah? Nice. Solid stream you got there. <laughs> What's your game then? Who are you? You're trimming your pubes, I see. What the fuck's up with that? <laughs> Just let them grow naturally. You fucking idiot. What's that, a London thing, is it? You want to see fucking mine? Murder li- do all your murder liar buddies trim their fucking pubes? You want to see mine? It looks like Saddam Hussein down there when he came with the spider hole. <laughs> Have you got a spider hole? I got myself a spider hole in the West Coast of Ireland. What, you're not taking that away from me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where it is. <laughs> and then he has a dig at Harland. He says, Harland finished the game and played four days later for Norway. A couple of years later, he tried to claim that he'd had to retire because of the tackle. He was going to sue me. It was a bad tackle, but he was still able to play four days later. And therefore, I was the winner. This This is it. it! When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The second bit, which is quite notable in this, is about the fight that he had with Peter Schmeichel when he was at Manchester oh, United. Oh, this is a great story. <laughs> this is great. There'd been a little bit of tension between us over the years for football reasons. Peter would come out shouting at players, and I felt sometimes that he was playing up to the crowd. Look at me. He was probably also doing it for his concentration levels, keeping himself on his toes. But I felt he did it too often, as if he was telling the crowd, look at what I have to deal with. I wouldn't say we disliked each other, but we weren't best buddies either. He said, I've had enough of you. A drink had been taken at this yeah. point. It was in a hotel somewhere. I, he said, I've had enough of you. It's time we sorted this out. Mm. So I said, okay. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> and we had a fight. It felt <laughs> it felt like 10 minutes. There was a lot of noise. Peter's a big lad. <laughs> <laughs> the way he describes it, and I don't say this lightly, like, you've seen Django Unchained, right? Yeah. You know, there's that, I mean, it's one of the most grotesque scenes in cinema history <laughs> where, like, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is just like, making these two fellas fight to the death in front of me. It goes on and on for yeah. ages. And that is how I imagine. That's exactly what it was. Like Roy Keane yeah. and Peter Schmeichel, like two mandingos. It felt like 10 minutes, but it was actually 20. Mm. And um, the worst bit about it was that they woke Bobby Charlton up. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what's he say? He's got a complaint about Bobby Charlton, hasn't he? Uh, it says it says they'd woken Bobby Charlton up. Um, the next morning, Fergie gets him into his office and all this sort of thing and he says you even woke Bobby Charlton up he came out of his hotel room and had a look yeah yeah and um, but, but <laughs> what was it it was um, he said something like Bobby Charlton could have if he didn't like it Bobby Charlton could have split us up yeah that was it Peter, he says Peter took responsibility I admired him for it but Sir Bobby could have tried to break it up yeah 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 jalapeno <laughs> Nicky Book was the referee of the fight yeah, that's really funny and as Nick, well Nicky Book, Nicky Book got a new nickname afterwards Mills Lane <laughs> Why? Mills Lane's a famous boxing referee, oh, apparently. Right, of course, right. Fucking, I didn't know that. Pff, yeah, but that's what that's what they call him afterwards. Anyway, Peter had grabbed uh, me. I wonder how he refed it. Like, what were the rules? Who set the boundaries? I don't know. But he says, anyway, Peter had grabbed me. I'd headbutted him. We'd been fighting for ages. That doesn't sound like that's in the rules, does it? Mm. Nicky Butt's not much of a boxing referee. I know, don't know how much R- Ricky Buck could have really done. When you've got two men like Schmeichel and Keane going at each other, it's like, how can you... I mean, Nicky Butt is no sh- shrinking violet, no. but how can you really make any fucking impact? You can't get in between them, can I mean, you? Unless he was like a judge. Like, right. you know, he got to say, if there's a points victory, it was Buck was who got to say it. it. Can you imagine Bobby Charlton in his pyjamas coming out of his hotel room? I can, room? actually, yeah. Oh, I wonder if he wears a night shirt like Wee Willie Winky. I think a, he wears a, a Manchester hat. United pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> but you imagine Bobby Charlton coming out, staggering out, what, aged, what, 73 Hundreds. or something? Where, where, holding a candle holding on a one ca- of those little candle holders. <laughs> What's this all about, lads? Uh-huh. Lads, on, lads, now. lads. What's Nikki, going on here, lad? Nicky, what's going on here? 
What are they doing? Hey, you know, when we were playing for Sir Alf in 1966, I didn't always see eye to eye with Gordon Banks, but you didn't see us fighting like this while Martin Peters presided over it all. And then, of course, Gordon lost an eye later yeah. on, and I <laughs> had the last laugh. <laughs> I won't tell you how it happened, but let's just say it wasn't quite the accident he suggested in the past. Anyway, carry on, I'm off back to bed. I'm back to my bed now. Early start, lads. (laughs) Early start, there's people need blinding. (laughs) Bobby Charlton there, rather more a sinister figure than you may have been led to believe over the years. <laughs> Not the, the ambassador. The Geordie blinder. Not actually the ambassador of Manchester United that goes around the world watching them play in European competitions, but he's actually a spy. Goes around goes the around world tricking people. little African kids into being Man new fans. That's his fucking job. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> fucking and blinding them if they don't, if they don't comply. <laughs> He walks into a village in the middle of fucking nowhere in Tanzania and he gathers around the village elders and he goes, some of you might know me, some of you won't. My name's Bobby Charlton. I'm here to convert all of the children in this village to Manchester United fans. (laughs) I brought these shirts (laughs) and uh, these fellas here are going to dig you a well like. The shirts are from 15 years ago, but you don't know that. Because you're stupid. <laughs> you're stupid Africans. Now, <laughs> now, listen. I don't. <laughs> I I'm, I don't know how to put this. I'm just going to come right out and say it to you. Unless your kids all agree to support Manchester United forever, I'm going to blind each and every one of them. <laughs> The boat's like, what the? This is mad. Who is this man? This is awful. He looks like he means it, though. I'm not going to second guess him. Don't for one moment think that I am joking. I'll do it. I'll do it with this squirty bottle of industrial ammonia I've brought with me. I did it to Gordon Banks. I've done it to plenty of others. And I would do it to every last child in this village without thinking twice. Have you heard of Peter Sutcliffe? (laughs) Better known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Now, a few years ago, a story came out that said he'd been blinded in prison by another inmate with the end of a toothbrush. Now, that's not what happened. I was granted access into the prison where Peter Sutcliffe was locked up and I went at him with me uh, the canister of ammonia that I've got here. As, as a knight of the realm, I am allowed access to any prison facility I like. That's just one of the benefits you get. Yes, and I went in there while he was asleep and I blinded him. No, you can take that as truth or you can take that as a lie. That's up to you. All I'm saying is you look at them pile of shirts there and decide what you want. You want to go around wearing one of them shirts or... Do you want you a like, blind kitty? Do you want to be blinded for the rest of your life? It's up to you. Do you want your weans blind so they'd never be able to look at their mother's faces again? And that is how United have built themselves That's into the world. Because of, and it's not just Africa. Mm. They do it in Southeast Asia. It's all around the world, isn't it? He's even done it in Australia. And yeah. that's why wherever you go, you see him in United shirts. Global domination, isn't it? Yeah. 
it's hey, it's worked. So you know, hats off to them. <laughs> naughty, naughty. <laughs> Just a little squirt in the eye. Squirties. Hey, remember what Uncle Bobby says? Naughty, naughty, squirty, squirty. (laughs) (sighs) Let's get back to Roy Keane. Yeah. This is it! So moving on, he talks about um, the kind of calibre of player that comes to Manchester United and they're not really emotionally equipped to deal with the the rigours of Manchester weather. Hmm. And all that sort of thing. He says, um, if they're used to going for a cappuccino at half ten at night, sitting on a balcony somewhere, and all of a sudden it's dark at half four and it's fucking freezing, <laughs> that is going to change them. I know, because they told me. Fabian Bartes and Lauren Blanc used to smoke together in the toilets at half time. They were French. They smoked. <laughs> <laughs> If it had been a couple of Irish lads, I'd have been shouting at them, you dirty bastards, get out! (laughs) So he has got a lot of time... dirty bastards. You dirty wee bastards! He's got a lot of time for for the cultural differences between uh, France France and Ireland. Yeah, he is. He is, that's a a nice bit. And then there's a bit as well where he's talking about um, Arsenal. Arsenal were good, he says. Arsene Wenger was reinventing the game, apparently. Yeah. His tongue very firmly in his cheek. And then he says, sugar lumps at half-time. <laughs> That's all he says, doesn't he? Yeah. It's fucking funny. Sugar lumps, carrot juice, a wee wank at half-time <laughs> to reinvigorate them before they go out for the second half. And why not? Meanwhile, in our dressing room, we've got the French lads smoking in the bugs. <laughs> You just kind of compete with that, can you? <laughs> he gets on to Rio um, and the failed drugs test, and he wasn't happy about that. This was Manchester United, so it became a big story. I wondered at the time why they didn't just follow Rio, go to his house that afternoon, the drug <laughs> testers. But then, from the doctor's point of view, you treat people like mature adults. <laughs> you tell a man to go up for a drugs test, and you expect him to do that. In any other workplace, it would have happened. We can give footballers the benefit of the doubt. Ah, they're footballers. They live in a bubble. They're a bit out there. But we also have to go, fucking hell, just do the drugs test. (laughs) He claims after... I don't think I was annoyed at the time, and I don't think the other players were either. But ultimately, the team did suffer. I didn't look at Rio and think that he'd been up to no good or that he was a hidden reason... or that there was a hidden reason for what occurred. I think he genuinely forgot. We all paid the price. He was a very good player and we, we all paid him. the price. There it is. There's the line. Yeah. There's always a line that says, you cunt. And there it is. We yeah. all paid the price. Yeah. And he, he talks about the the, um, the class of 92 and about Paul Scholes especially. He says, uh, I don't fall for the boy next door image. He doesn't really respect anybody, no, does he? No, one. No one at all, apart from himself. He says, I, don't, I still don't fall for the boy next door image of schools or that he's dead humble. He has more of an edge to him. Everyone thinks he lives in a council flat. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. The class of 92, all good players, but their role at the club has become exaggerated. Class of 92 seems to have grown its own legs. It has become a brand. It's not as if they were a team away from the team and they're not shy of plugging into it, but we all had the same aims. We all had the hunger. <laughs> so, basically, he despises uh, Beckham, Skulls, Butt, Gigs, they, all um, the, so the, the Neville brothers, the class thinks, of 92. He thinks they're a bunch of bullshitting wankers. Yeah. Yeah, who have tried to take too much credit for something yeah. that they all achieved together as a team. He was the leader of the team. So he was their captain and their inspiration, right? 
and they must have all respected him because yeah. how could the team have done so well during those years if they didn't respect their captain? But he secretly, all along the way, thought they're just a bunch of wankers, mm. all of them. Look at you, the class of 92. Going around with your class of 92 mugs, drinking out your mugs. What the fuck do you mean, 92? I don't, do you know what? I don't even fucking remember what year I was fucking born. Much less what year I fucking got into the first team. I'm too busy trying to win fucking matches and keep hold of these wee title belts right here. No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I do remember where I was in 92. I was over in Nottingham and the, <laughs> Mr. Brian Clough was punching me in the face every fucking morning. <laughs> just for turning up. That's where I was. Where were you? And you don't hear me going around saying that I'm the class of fucking 92. I was living in 92 just like the rest of you cunts. What else was going on in 92? Culture beat, Mr. Vane, that's what. <laughs> that was my 1992. I don't know what you were all up to, but I was doing the disco, dancing the culture beat. Fucking Gabriel, dreams can come true. <laughs> well, this is a fucking nightmare. Her with a fucking eye patch. You know how she got that fucking eye patch too, don't you? Bobby it's fucking Charlton. Sir Bobby Charlton. Because <laughs> the song. Drove us all up the fucking wall, so we had to do something about With it. With a sense of Bobby over. <laughs> that was my 92. <laughs> I called him up. I said, Sir Bobby, you got to do something I, about this daft cow. I don't even play for Manchester United, but I've heard uh, about your work, and you got to do it's something. It's Keen here from Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I've got a wee job for you. Yeah, that's right, freelance. <laughs> I heard you did freelance work. <laughs> this, this is, is it. it. Yeah, there's another good story where um, Wayne Rooney has just signed for United in 2004, whenever it was, and um, Kane's trying to watch the rugby league yeah. in a hotel, and he goes off to the toilet or something, and he comes back and the rugby league's been turned over, and he says, I said, where's the remote control? Rooney said, I don't know. I said, you fucking do. <laughs> I didn't exactly... <laughs> I didn't exactly storm out. Because <laughs> he doesn't storm out, does he? He just seethes and leaves. I didn't exactly storm out, but I couldn't be bothered. Do. I couldn't be bothered trying to get the remote control back. So I decided I'd watch the rest of the match up in my room. I came down the next morning for the pre-match meal, and obviously I'm very good at letting things go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Wayne was brave enough to come up to me. Did you ever find the remote control, Roy? I think I told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> go fuck yourself, Rooney. <laughs> it was the only disagreement I ever had with him. I think I think he later claimed in one of his books, brackets, he has a deal to write 10. <laughs> there it is. There's the line. There's the line. <laughs> There's always a line about someone to undermine them. He later claimed in one of his books, he has a deal to write 10. <laughs> that I sent a security man to his room to get the remote control, but that's bullshit. <laughs> 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 Just setting the record straight there. This is it. He did a detox one summer. Oh yeah. He went to a was it a clinic in Italy or something like that? Yeah, it was. Um, Ryan Giggs got him to go over yeah, there. Yeah, because Giggs is into yoga and all that yeah. shit, isn't he? Um, so he went and he cut out red meat. He was eating a lot of fish. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a picture of him in the book about that time, and he says that he looks gaunt, and he does. He looks like there's nothing on him. Yeah. It was shocking. Uh, so he'd, uh, he was due to play Arsenal, but uh, he couldn't get out of bed. The doctor came round and they did some tests and he had... Um, the, the doctor said, what have you done? And he says, I've cut out meat altogether. 
the doctor did some blood tests. I missed the Arsenal game. I was in bed for three or four days when the test results came back. My iron levels were gone. I had no iron in my system. <laughs> I got no iron. I'm Roy Keane. I have to have iron in me. What's the point otherwise? <laughs> I was born with more fucking iron than the average human being. When I was a wee baby, I came out. They said he's fucking... He's got iron spilling out of every fucking he's, orifice. He's not crawling, he's clanking. Can you hear him crawling along there? All the iron. He's more fucking iron than man. Keep him away from them magnets. <laughs> now it's all fucking gone, and it's fucking Ryan's fault. I assumed I'd just be just filled with iron forever and ever. I stopped eating meat just to get the iron down a little bit because there's too much. It's keeping me awake at nights. I wake up and I'm clanking. I turn over in bed and I'm clanking. <laughs> I got rust all around me fucking balls when it rains. <laughs> that time I trimmed me pubes back, I realised it was all rusty underneath. <laughs> i got to get back on the red a, meat. My pubes are like normal pubes. It's like a fucking scourer that you use, a pan brush. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> So he uh, he packed in meat for a couple of months, but soon got over that. There's a nice little bit where, um, about, again, it's a dig at the class of 92 uh, and about the number seven. The manager pulled me into his office and told me that he wanted me to wear the number seven. I said, no, I'm not bothered. And he said, I know Bex were fucking wanted and I don't want him to have it. <laughs> power play. <laughs> <laughs> and he says himself, the little power battles. <laughs> He says, I've had 16 since I signed for the club. I was comfortable with 16. I think it might have kept me on my toes being outside the 1 to 11. I didn't think I was a number 7. I said, give it to Bex. Bex got it and it suited him. And Cantona. Ronaldo had it after Bex. Gabriel Heinzer was another good guy. He was a nasty fucker. Nasty in training. I picked up an injury one day. A lot of it was my own fault. It was a Friday. We were playing Spurs the next day and we'd always have light training day before a home game, but it got a bit nasty and it ended up with myself and Gabby having a few tackles on each other. He kneed me on the side of my leg and being the hero that I am, I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I didn't want to go in for treatment, but being I was the, in agony. Being the hero that yeah. I am, as he said that. Yeah. Oh, um, The next interesting bit is, of course, the one we've covered in a previous episode, which is the uh, the Portuguese... Villa thing, um, yeah. <clears throat> and he he talks about the if in case you haven't heard it's the, the villa in Portugal that was chosen by Carlos Queiroz, and Kane's unhappy with it because it's not big enough for him because his family's over, his five kids are over, um, and he talks about the woman who showed them around the villa. He says she understood what I meant. I think. <laughs> She told me it hadn't been designed for families. <laughs> <laughs> she even pointed out the glass tables, the sharp corners. They probably have to go through that insu- that routine for insurance reasons. The place just wasn't suitable. My wife is very placid, and even she was saying, we can't stay here, it's just not designed for kids. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? Lots of sharp edges, probably. <laughs> glass tables, corners, spikes. <laughs> What's these fucking spikes doing here? <laughs> I don't mind a spike myself, don't get me wrong. If it's just me on my own or I'm with the missus, I love a spike. Keeps me on my toes. Keeps you on my toes. <laughs> you never know when you might need a good fucking spike. But the kiddies, they'll be running into these spikes all over the place. I can't have it. <laughs> these mouth traps you've got in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind that. I like I like the idea of that, but the kiddies will go in there for the club biscuits and the next thing you know, they lose their fucking fingers. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I keep the club biscuits in the fucking fridge. Cause it is Portugal. It's fucking 35 degrees outside. 
He says, the woman brought me to look at the second villa. My wife was waiting down at the first place with the kids. The second place was nicer. But in the meantime, I'd rung the people we'd just hired the previous villa from, where we'd been staying the week before, and asked if we could stay there for another week. It was literally down the road from the training camp, five minutes in the car. Carlos Queros, United's <laughs> assistant manager, arrived while I was at the second villa. Carlos is Portuguese. I think he was born in Mozambique. <laughs> there it is. There's the line. There's always a line designed to undermine somebody. And there it is again. Carlos is Portuguese. I think he was born in Mozambique. <laughs> he's not proper Portuguese, That's you know. I fucking heard anyway. He says he's Portuguese, but he's not proper Portuguese. No one's ever seen his birth certificate. I asked for it on several occasions it, and he kept fobbing me off. He's like that Barack Obama. He was born in Mozambique as well. <laughs> he says, Carlos is Portuguese. I think he was born in Mozambique. And there was some sort of a connection with the resort people. Yeah. <laughs> Insinuating oh, all kinds yeah. of shenanigans. He had organised the camp for the team. His brother-in-law ran the resort. <laughs> Carlos was getting a backhand and it was obvious. <laughs> a lot put- of them are like kind of Roger the Dodger. A lot of these footballers are like characters from the Beano yeah. where they've all got little side scams. They're earning like hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds a week, but they've all got little side scams to make a few quid here, a few quid there, or yeah. get like some free football boots or I something I think it just like keeps that. them amused, stops them getting yeah. bored. like when John Terry was showing people around the Chelsea training ground and he was trousering money for that, wasn't he, a few years ago? Um, yeah, there was. I heard a story about John Terry. This, oh, are you sure? Uh, Is it that one? No, not that one. No, there was a barber's in, um, like, near where he lived, where he went to get his hair cut quite regularly. And one one day they said, do you mind if we put a picture of you in the window to say that you're a customer? Or we put one on the wall. So it's like a little budget barbershop. And he went, um... I'll have to have a think about that. Yeah, so, okay, it's no <laughs> big deal. The money. Then he's like, like a few days later, the barber shop here from his agent, who say Mr. Terry has considered your offer. He's done some sums, and <laughs> he will expect free haircuts for him and his entire family for life. <laughs> they went, Nah, you're right. <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> Jalapeno. Another bit about the pre-season as well. This is quite interesting. He says, I carried on training. We trained for the week and it was brilliant. The mix. Training, then the afternoon spent with the families was perfect. Pre-season is about training, recovery and bonding. Recovery just means relaxing after you've trained. Sitting, maybe watching TV or if you're in a place like the Algarve, sitting by the pool. There's a discipline to that. (laughs) (laughs) Which I wasn't very good at. Actually resting. Mm -hmm. Roy Keane is unable to apply himself to the discipline of relaxing (laughs) and being at rest. He's constantly on the go, having to be doing something. So having my family there was great and the facilities were fantastic. There's a discipline of resting. Fucking hell. Yeah, he he talks a lot about... um... He, he talks a lot about his inability to relax yeah. and feel content, which, on a serious note, you do sort of feel for him. I mean, we all kind of know that feeling. And, and Roy Keane's whole... He's very open in this book about like his inner demons because mm. he, he says all this mad shit and then once in a while he pauses for reflection and says, yeah, basically my problem is I can't ever feel relaxed. Yeah. And you think, fucking yeah. hell, what a curse. He's incredibly driven. But yeah. that's what made him the player he was. Yeah. But it's it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? It is. But it just means that you, it, there's a discipline to it's sit. Like, by I think a pool. it's nicer to be born a lazy cunt. Yeah, definitely. Probably. Yeah. But if you're born like Roy Keane, you're never satisfied. Imagine he sits down by the pool, he gets a book out or something, or a, a 
soft drink or, or a club some, biscuit. Some days he's just going to fuck off. And work, he sits there for like 90 seconds. Do a whole packet of club biscuits, <laughs> the orange ones, and just watch Crown Court reruns on YouTube all day. Like we do. Stopping only once in a while for a wank. <laughs> he's never going to be like us. He's never going to be as good as us. Um, right, I reckon that's about it for part one of our Roy Keane. Odyssey. Odyssey. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Right, ta-da. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,